I'm going to give you some time to get comfortable. Grab a hot cocoa, hot chocolate, or tea. Poetic earthlings. Are you sitting comfortably? All right, that's good. What I'm going to play for you is a bonus episode from Brent Stark. He's the host of the Precious Commodity Podcast. There's a little bit of a treat at the end, so stay tuned. This one is going to blow your mind away. It did for me when I first heard it. And stick around to the end. There's a special spotlight exclusive interview. I'll talk to you on the other side. Okay, let's move on to step 17. The presenter stuck another orange sticky note onto the whiteboard. As far as the eye could see, the color orange was spread across every inch of that board. It looked like someone spilled a tall glass of orange juice. It's beautiful. He inched forward in the stiff plastic chair, eager to hear what was next. He loved the color orange, and by his actions, one could surmise that he loved this meeting as well. The man had a front row seat to a process and procedure meeting. The goal of one of these meetings is to painstakingly chart each step of a process. Nothing is assumed and everything needs to be written down. If every member of the management team, say, got hit by a bus someday, someone would need to pick up the mantle and carry on. So for a replacement to complete that Herculean task, the processes must be listed in the correct order, leaving absolutely nothing to chance. A quick scan across the room and one could see face after face of participants plastered with blank stares and nervously fidgeting their bodies to try and stay awake. (sighs) Their main objective, make the meeting tolerable. Except for the one man, the one who was furiously taking notes, nodding and smiling as if he was watching a great orator give an address. As this man studied the presenter, he reflected on his job and all he did to help make that process flow smoothly. He was helping people. Everything he and his team did, every little detail written on an orange sticky note, was meant to help someone achieve a goal. He was living his dream. It was like a wish come true. Two. The backup could be seen for miles. Car after car stuck on the highway, motionless like a parking lot. Everyone had somewhere to be. So they did the only thing they could, cuss and honk. The sound of those discontented honks, you know, the ones that last longer than, hey, excuse me, the light is green honk. 
and intermittent cuss words. Oh, they littered the atmosphere. And they were coming from all different directions. You stupid idiot! Look, you idiot! You are a stupid, stupid man! It was really ugly on the road that day. Except there was one man stuck in the same traffic, yet he never touched his horn. And he didn't open his mouth unless it was to smile. This man was joyful during the worst traffic jam the city had seen since 1975. He was smiling because he cherished the songs playing on his radio. He reminded him of sweet memories of summer and time spent with friends. He smiled because he finally had time to slow down and enjoy music. Your favorite radio station. Inside his mind was much stronger than the events happening outside his car. The man fully content in the middle of a brewing traffic storm was living his dream. It was like a dream come true. Three. And they are going crazy throwing everything in this place. They got to get the players off the field. It, they're throwing beer cans, bottles, and everything on the field. And this is just an ugly scene. Right? The score was 7-1 to one in the fourth inning, and the home team was on the wrong end of the scoreboard again. The fans were angry, angry at watching their team get stomped. Standing boo, no less. <laughs> You're right, Joe. I've seen standing ovations, but I don't remember many standing boos. Angry at shelling out money for ballplayers who didn't seem to have any pride or give a darn. And angry at being served burnt hot dogs, watered-down soda, and flat beer. By the sixth inning, the fans had enough of being angry. They waved the metaphorical white flag. It was over. People got to quit throwing beer cans out of the upper decks. You're hitting people down below. You know, someone in the first row just got hit by a beer can. The fans began to file out of the stadium. claiming they would never be back unless they were provided a grocery bag to drape over their heads. All except one man. He wasn't angry at all. He was smiling because he was at the most beautiful place in the world. Chase Utley. A ball field with majestic green grass and dirt as soft as a beach of sand. He was smiling because in baseball, there's no such thing as time. The game is played until the final out. Seven to one was significant, but not insurmountable. He was viewing his favorite sport in his favorite seat on a chilly spring night with nothing to do but appreciate the sight of America's pastime. He was reminded of the times he played when he was younger. The score didn't matter. He was living his dream.
That's it, my man. You got your three wishes. Then, just like that, the man was snapped back into reality. Oh, thank you. These three wishes did my soul well. The genie stopped. Generally, according to genie code, they grant three wishes and offer little commentary on the subject of the request. Yet this man's aspirations were a little strange. Yo, hold up one moment. You could have asked for a pimped out ride, a fly home with a jacuzzi, a private jet with supermodels feeding you grapes. Your three wishes were kind of weak. You know what I'm saying? Nothing to brag about. Most people don't want to relive those memories. Those lame memories, if I may add. So why do you? The man's eyes twinkled as a smile spread across his face. I think the biggest frustration of getting older is when you begin to miss the things that you didn't enjoy when they were happening. That is what I define as regret. I didn't appreciate those times enough in the past, and now, over time, I find myself missing them. Time goes so fast. I just wanted to have one more opportunity to appreciate all that I didn't enjoy when they were happening. All the business meetings, the... Okay, let's move on to step 17. The traffic jams. You are a stupid, stupid man! The blowouts. They're throwing beer cans, bottles, and everything on the field. I wanted to have a do-over to enjoy all that life has to offer, even the mundane. I am ready to really live life. Thank you for making my three wishes come true. One. Two. Three. You're gonna grant me any three wishes I want, right? Uh, almost. There are a few uh, provisos, a, a couple of quid pro quo. Like? Uh, rule number one, I can't kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, so don't ask. Uh, rule number two, I can't make anybody fall in love with anybody else. Rule number three, I can't bring people back from the dead. You've been listening to The Most Precious Commodity. Written by Brent Stark. You can follow him on Twitter at MostSciFi. Do me a favor. Please subscribe and spread the word about this show. Also, don't squander your precious time. Use it wisely. Checking out time is 3 p.m. Give generously. Those of this sort aren't interested in you when you come in, but... Thank you for listening. When your time is up. It's time for the Earthling Spotlight, where we recognize an independent poet or novelist. This person not only excels in their field, but also moves the industry forward. York. Who's it going to be this time?
And we have the podcaster all the way from the Buckeye State. I'm proud to introduce the host of the Precious Commodity Podcast, Brent Stark. How's it going, Brent? Good, good. How are you doing, York? I'm doing good, Brent. It's an honor to have you on the show. Just to let you know, I've been listening to your show for quite a while before I started producing it. And I was really taken of how encouraging your messages is. If anyone hasn't subscribed to your show, please hit the subscribe button. Go over there and subscribe to The Most Precious Commodity. My question for you is, what motivated you to start this podcast? About a year ago, I started writing for the first time in a long time. You know, we were in the midst of the beginning of the pandemic. There was a lot of stress in my life dealing with that. And one of the ways I dealt with it was to start to write and creative write. I just wrote a story one day, posted on Facebook about my daughter getting older and got a lot of positive feedback from that. Thought I'd continue to write more and I really enjoyed doing it. So I had written a few stories and posted them on social media. And then one of my friends had mentioned, oh, you should try it on, try a podcast. He goes, your stories are kind of long. I probably won't read them, but I would listen to them. I said, okay. So uh, I set up a podcast, never done one before, really hadn't listened to too many before. So tried it and did a few episodes and then you jumped aboard and it's really, really been a lot of fun to see what you do with it. And really the combination of the creativity has really, really helped out. Well, Brent, I got to tell you, man, it feels like we're kindred spirits because you wrote on the, your Twitter about Rod Sterling, the Twilight Zone. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. And how it influenced your writing is also influenced mine as well. I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. And I always like to incorporate the supernatural to something that's to something that's morally centered as well. And when I listen to your show, you do both of them extremely well. You talk about the supernatural, but also you bring it home as well. You make it tangible. You also have a book called The Most Precious Commodity. Why did you decide to write a book? I think just both, you know, my friends, some, some are readers, some listen to podcasts just to get the, the stories out. And to kind of go back to the, the Twilight Zone, another thing that kind of helped, uh, kind of motivated me. And it kind of ties into the theme that I have with the podcast and the stories of time was the episode called Walking Distance. The main character, carried life, busy life, ended up walk, going back to his hometown, but he went back as his current age, but was when he was a kid. I only wanted to tell you that this is a wonderful time of life for you. Don't let any of it go by without enjoying it. And it was a great story and it, and it really motivated me to like, it made me think about the time and how we spend time and how fast it goes. 
that's when I started really looking at the the whole catalog of my stories. And I thought, man, there is a lot of there's a lot of themes about time in here. So I thought about mm-hmm. okay, time is a commodity. It's it's very precious, and what do we do with it? So that's kind of how I came up with the name. Is just as I looked at, it, I said, wow, it's all, most of these characters are dealing something with their time, and how are they spending? One of the things that I appreciate about your show is the balance between science fiction and reality. I consider myself a science fiction writer as well, but there is some science fiction writers that they go way too technical and they lose the heart. They go into other worlds, but they lose the humanity of the story. When I hear your stories, you have a great balance. So what's next? Where are you going to take your podcast in the future? Basically, you know, it's, it's amazing that I, I think, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I can think of anything, but it's really turned out that week by week, I've been given a story, whether it be somebody, something somebody said, it could be something I saw in nature, it could be something I see on TV, and I try to stay away from making any connections with T. I try to make it as original as possible, but sometimes those will inspire ideas too. Yeah, it does. And like I said, it's been amazing because each time I think that, oh my gosh, I have nothing. I, I don't know what else to write on. Something in my life will think, oh my gosh, and then I could tie ideas together. For me, inspiration is, is elusive. When 9-11 hits, you'll think that as a writer, you have something to write about after such a huge, a huge tragedy. But I had nothing at that time. But when I looked at a spider spinning its web when it's at the bus shelter, I had tons of ideas. Strange, isn't it? What you think that you should write on, you, there's just nothing there. And the minute, the small details of life, that's where my attention goes to. I notice in your podcast, you also talk about your family. How do they feel about you mentioning them in your show? Yeah, they 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 don't mind. My wife's actually helped me quite a bit. She's been in a couple of the earlier podcasts. She helps me. Um, she helped me as one of the editors of, of my books. So she's oh, very invested in that. So yeah, she's been really that uh, good with that. And actually, my daughter actually helped with with one podcast as well. So they've both been very invested. And it's funny that you mentioned that it's, with your story. It's it's amazing as since I've started writing, you just become more perceptive of the world around you. Things that you, mm-hmm. before I wrote, I might've just bypassed and not thought a thing of it. And now it's like, oh, I'm looking for stuff. I can see stuff happening. I wonder how I can craft that into a story and how I can connect different ideas. And you talked about the, the 911. It's, it, it came about for me seeing a McDonald's and I tied that in because on not, when I was driving home that day, I, I stopped at McDonald's. In the mid-1970s, McDonald's was the place to have a birthday party. For a low price commensurate with quality, children received the following. A free Happy Meal accompanied by a toy reserved specifically for those at parties. 30 minutes of playtime at McDonaldland, unlimited ice cream, and a special visit from Grimace. If the party was on Tuesday or Thursday, see, Grimace had prior commitments on the other days of the week. Even with all those amenities, 
The party was a dud. Brian stayed to himself while the other kids enjoyed all that the party had to offer. If it wasn't for the gifts and a special surprise, the party would have gone down as an all-time kid party catastrophe. And then, out of nowhere, the pendulum swung. And then I tied it into a story about dad who had a stroke and how we would visit McDonald's. So I connect a lot of different ideas um, to come up with hopefully an interesting story, an inspiring Mm -hmm. story. Another one of your inspiring stories on your podcast is Three, a simple title, Three. What's the inspiration behind that one? I read a book a long time ago by Mike Greenberg, sportscaster, and I'm not going to be able to say the quote verbatim, but it was basically talking about regret and how regret is basically defined about missing the things that you didn't miss, that you didn't enjoy when they were happening. Instead of wishing for something extravagant, it was more like, I just wish for everyday things, you know, being stuck in traffic, my, my baseball team doing horrible, me being in a meeting because back when it happened originally, I wasn't happy. I wasn't taking it all in. That was kind of the story is even though there's a lot of mundane things happening, you can still find the joy in that. The one thing that that episode taught me was gratitude. It's so easy to be ungrateful in a particular moment, especially in the moments that we don't like about life or our job our finances, or whatever that is. But when I heard that one, I was automatically grateful for everything in my life. It's just incredible the way that you brought it forward. And to be honest with you, Brent, when I started producing your show, you talk a lot about baseball, and I am not a sports fan at all. I mean, I'm just not. I do my very best. In fact, you wrote this one piece. Uh, What's the title again? It's a long title. The Dog Ball Redemption of Fred Snodgrass. Yeah, that's the one. Before I started working on the edits and putting together all the material for that episode, I dug up some old documentaries just to try to get the feeling of how it was back in those times. Use Fred quote. That was awesome. Uh, Yeah, that's right. That took a while to dig up Fred's old quote, and I put it at the end of that episode. I believe that this is the power of collaborating. I believe that as podcasters, we need to collaborate even more so that we could produce something even better. When I started my podcast, it was just me and a computer. And and then when you graciously agreed to produce it, it, I was just absolutely blown away with the creativity, the time that you had taken, the graciousness of using your creativity to help me. And I, I was honestly blown away. I was telling all my friends, I said, you got to hear this podcast. Not, not for what I had written, but what, he, what York did with it. Right. It, it. It just adds so much color to it. I'm very, very thankful you know, oh, yeah. for that. And it's, it's just like, I like if, if I could tell somebody, if they want to say, start with McDonald's Miracles and go forward, because that's where you started taking production of it. And, you know, that's really, really been good. I really appreciate the kind words. Whenever I hear your podcast and read your book, Most Precious Commodity, you feel connected to the spiritual world. Does spirituality influence your writing? It does. And there is a lot of spiritual 
elements to it. I try to not get real preachy with it, but I want people to think with it, uh, think about it. The hillside crosses, Mm -hmm. you know, has definitely spiritual aspects to it, you know, biblical aspects to it. So I I bring the the Bible in, in some of my story. The vehicle was careening out of control, much like his life, heading straight for the hillside crosses. The noise of the impact reverberated over the hillside and down into the valley full of pine trees. The new cross had fallen directly onto Mr. Bender's car. And some of my stories is just treating other people the correct way. And one of the things I've noticed too, it's a running theme in a lot of my stories is bullying. People treating others badly and then the, the negativity, the ramifications mm-hmm. of that. That's part of past and things like that. So you bring that up. So there is definitely some spirituality with the Bible and and my Christianity, but there's also a lot of elements to just basically how you treat people and make the world more positive. It looks like you and I are on the same page. I'm also a Christian. In my shows, I try my best not to come off too preachy. I do my very best to encourage people to think beyond this world. At the same time, I believe that we're all earthlings, as my podcast suggests, that we need to learn to love each other as fellow humans. Also, you're coming out with another book, Volume 2. Can you explain to me more about that? Yeah, so I finished the first one in beginning of January and published it. And and it's it's not a one-time deal. I want to keep writing. And it's interesting, and just to be honest, I, I... You know, my major in college was business and psychology. And then when I was 40, I went back to school for education. So I'm a teacher now, but I've never really had a lot of formal writing training other than what what we did in school. So it's been interesting journey to where I look back at my first stories and look back to where I am now. You know, even advice you had given me or others had given me about, about, you know, describe more than tell. And I've been really focusing on on doing that when when I'm writing and hopefully with these these new batch of stories, that'll be even more, more evident. And one of the things too, that, you know, a lot of my stories, I weave in parts of my life or things I've heard and seen or whatever. But one of the things I enjoy that really pushes me is historical fiction, because it, it requires me to do some, you know, some study or some research on things. And then how can I craft that into a story uh, with some, some supernatural elements to it. So you know, I, I did one that talked about a revolutionary war fort because we had visited on the side of the road. I tied in a story because I read about how some of the soldiers in that uh, they were starving, basically. So they had to eat their own moccasin shoes, you know. Wow. So, so then I thought, oh, gosh, that would have been awful. And I thought about my life, how sometimes maybe we complain about things that are not even near to that. You know, then how could I tie all that together? You know, so historical fiction is is something that has really helped too. When, when I feel like if the wells run dry, it's like, oh, maybe I could learn a little bit more about what happened here and craft a story as well. Is there a time frame for volume two of your book? What I was thinking was just accumulate stories this year. And it's kind of like what I did last year at the end of the year, publish it. So I've already have five and my, I would like to get at least 20 stories. It's interesting. I have no, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I have no desire on ever and it could always change, but I have no desire to ever write a novel or something long. 
is like, I, I just enjoy the short stories, you know, the, yeah. the 2000 to 4,000 word stories where I can, you know, I work hard on them, but I have a finished product and then I can move on to something else. So that's what I want to do is continue with these short stories and being a teacher, I have the summers off. So hopefully I can crank out a few more in the summer and it's be easy. ready to go by the end of the year. I've written a couple of novels and I'm more of a short story person, just like you. Novels, it feels like I'm in prison. When I start writing it, I'm looking at the word count. I'm looking at all the chapters that I have to go through. I take a deep breath and I say, wow, 22 more chapters. Can I really get through this? Then when I'm writing, I get distracted because there's so many stories that I have in my mind that I'd like to start. But I say, no, you got to finish this book. You got to finish this novel first. So then I got thinking that, well, I just want to write what I enjoy. That's why I'm staying with short stories and poetry. For yourself, is there a bit of a, of a tug of war between what you like, what you desire, and what's marketable? You know, I'm just having fun with it, honestly. It's just, I, I get these ideas and I, and I write them. You know, we talk about the you know, Twilight Zone. It's all, they have all these stories that have hidden messages, hidden social messages in them that are interesting. That's what I want to do with my stories is, is to continue to do that. And, and I was thinking, I mean, my stories are pretty eclectic. You might have a baseball one. You might have a, a Revolutionary War for one. You might have talking about pictures of your daughter, you know, all kinds of things. But hopefully, even though they're different, there's that, that theme that runs through it is about basically how you utilize your time. And I think everybody finds that a challenge and important. And, and hopefully, even if the stories are a little different, that they can still connect with it. Your show does connect because we all have a certain amount of time on this earth. And that's the theme of your show. It connects time within all of the stories. As you know, there's over 2 million podcasts out there, over 2 million. And a lot of them, they have no sense of direction. But when I listen to your show, I see the direction and also I can see your heart at the same time. It's like manna from heaven. All of your episodes are like that. They feed the soul. I'm definitely encouraged by you, Brent, and the type of stuff that you're doing. Your voice is definitely needed, especially in this world of negativity. You are a shining light. And I, I thank you, too, for, you know, I, I had no background with podcasting. And, you know, and just when you you started listening and we started connecting that way, you have given me some very good advice on how I can improve the quality of it. And I'm very thankful of that. And just with the tweaks and that I've done from your advice, you know, that's been very, very helpful. And I'm excited to continue that with season two is take what you taught me and continue to use that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Make it even better. You're definitely welcome. I believe that we need to do that for each other. A few months ago, when I heard your podcast, I was mesmerized by the stories. And so what I did is I took one of your stories and I reproduced it. I added some, some musical elements to it. I took me about four days, about four days. I didn't even reach out to you at the time. I just simply remixed your show. And then I contacted you and I said, hey, Brent, I'm a fan of your show. I reproduced one of your episodes 
is it okay if I put it on my show? And thankfully, you said yes, because if you didn't say yes, that would be four days, because I spent four days working on that show. It would have been four days wasted. So I'm definitely glad that you said yes to it. So I know that season one wrapped up. When is season two going to air? Probably end of May, beginning of June. Okay. Yeah, and then talked about having a new episode every every two weeks, two to three weeks. And I have some stories I've written last year that, that I did not put on the podcast yet. So I have those. And then I have some new stories that I've written. So I've gotten quite a few ready to go. I'd like to get a little bit, few more done and, you know, ready to launch. Is there any sage advice that you could give for potential authors? There is a quote that I read is, of course, it's Rod Serling, but it's basically the easiest thing in the world is to get an idea, but the hardest thing in the world is to put it on paper or to put it in onto a podcast. Because I, I, I think of ideas and sometimes it takes me to, to really take the time and start typing or take the time so I can start podcasting. So I always say, if you have an idea, write it down, write it down, because it, it will motivate you to continue to keep doing it. Because I think back in the past, before I started writing, I wonder how many ideas that I had that I never really wrote because I didn't feel like going that extra mile. That's what I would say advice is if you get an idea, write it down and start writing. Don't worry about how it sounds and, you know, and see what Mm -hmm. you can come up with. Thanks a lot, Brent, for being my very first interview. You're sort of like my guinea pig, if you will. I definitely appreciate the advice that you've given to my listeners. Everyone listening who hasn't heard Brent Stark's podcast, go to my website, poeticearthlings.com. There is a link there. Thanks a lot again, Brent. Thank you. If you want to continue to support Poetic Earthlings, you could buy me one of those virtual coffees. That's at buymeacoffee slash poeticearthlings. You could be a one-time giver of the show or per episode. If you give monthly, I will give out content that's not available in the main feed. So continue to spread the word about this show. I am on a bit of a break. New season of Poetic Earthlings is going to start in June. I hope that you're enjoying the bonus episodes and also the mothership episodes as well. You take care. And remember, be kind to each other. Be a good earthling. And I'll talk to you soon. Poetic. Earthlings.